So today we're talking to Chris McCormick. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you going? Good, good. Great to have you here. And we are going to talk about the project, which I think is very interesting. Uh, it's a full stack closure, closure script, uh, or no, it's not closure, closure. It's a full stack closure script. Uh, is it a framework for building web apps? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's a backend web framework. Right. Backend web framework on top of closure script, uh, and it's called yeah. Sidefox. Uh, but before maybe we jump there, how about a few words about Chris? Okay, so uh, yeah, my name is Chris. I'm a, uh, I guess, uh, independent computer programmer. So I've been working freelance uh, since kind of 2000. And uh, mm -hmm. more recently, sort of working on building some side businesses and things like that. And I've done a lot of mm -hmm. open source, um, nothing ma major or huge, but you know, most stuff I build, I publish open source. And that's just a habit I've been in for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's me, pretty much just a software developer. Cool. Right. Uh, so what is Sidefox? Yeah, I mean, it's a back-end web framework for ClojureScript. So I guess unlike um, a lot of uh, stuff in the Clojure ecosystem that's existed already for doing web dev, it is running on ClojureScript rather than running on the JVM. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so back-end web framework means that it's kind of like if you think of uh, Ruby on Rails or Django um, mm -hmm. or, you know, Laravel for PHP, it's it's in a similar kind of domain. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess we will go through all of the list of what does like backend include because normally it would be also like some kind of view layer that you can like still push this stuff out. Uh, but when you created Sidefox, what was the, what was the, what's the group, what's the audience, the main audience of, of the framework? Yeah, so I guess... Uh, Basically, I created it for myself. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I guess it's for people like me, so independent developers, um, small teams, startups. You know, I really have the smaller scale in mind, so I'm not trying to build like an enterprise web framework or anything like this. Um, mm -hmm. But it's for me, it's, you know, I like to, I make a lot of different things. I try a lot, a lot of testing um, small projects, throwing things up online, seeing if they work. And uh, mm -hmm. I wanted something where I could build very quickly and deploy quickly and um, yeah, put it out into the world and get feedback. Mm -hmm. So the audience is people who also want to do that, you know, uh, startups and mm -hmm. uh, small indie devs. So what have you, what have you been built so far with Sitefox? Yeah, um, I've been using it to, like I said, yeah, build a, a variety of sites. Um, my my uh, basic strategy is like um, build things first and then find out if anyone wants them. So rather mm -hmm. than, uh, yeah, like trying to do market research or anything like that. So the things mm -hmm. that I've built with Sidefox that, um, are, you know, getting some kind of traffic, uh, the most recent thing was probably Rogle, R-O-G-U-L-E.com, which is mm -hmm. a, uh, a roguelike game that you play daily, like Wordle. Um, and that's getting uh, maybe one to 200 users per day. Uh, then there's another one which is dopeloop.ai melody generator. If you just Google melody generator, it's the first hit. Mm -hmm. um, so that's okay. that's a closure. It's written in closure script and it's um, for basically musicians to you know unblock themselves if they get stuck and they want to get a new melody to work with, uh, and that gets quite a lot of traffic. And then mm -hmm. the third one is I'm just rebuilding at the moment. Um, SFXer.me. So it's a sound effects generator, like retro 8-bit sound effects. So I'm rebuilding mm -hmm. the back end on um, 
on Sidefox at the moment. But I only just uh, finished Sidefox. To, I got it to a point where I can use it recently, like a, a couple of months ago probably was where I really started, you know, dog fooding it properly. Uh, and then I have a couple of client projects as well. So one of my clients is a environmental science um, organization and I built like a image classifier system for them that the back end runs on Sidefox. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. So can you tell me a bit more about your approach of building stuff and throwing out on the internet and seeing if there is enough audience, if you will? How do you normally approach this topic? Yeah, so in terms of building stuff quickly and putting it out there, uh, I, I just noticed that a lot of things that I make don't work out. And I guess this is true for everyone. You try different mm-hmm. things and some things take off or, you know, people like them and other things no one cares. And maybe even you realize after a while that you, you there was no purpose to building that. It was just a fun side mm-hmm. project. And that's fine. And so I kind of like embrace that and, uh, you know, right. I, I make it part of my process. So I accept that many things I build won't work. So the... The idea is just build them anyway and to make that um, something that doesn't take up all my time with failed projects, you've got to be able to do it quickly. So you will be able to like try out an idea, see if it gets any traction, if I actually use it myself, you know, if it's interesting and then if it's not, abandon it, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's like you just try to increase your chances of getting a hit by just producing more projects. Yeah. And I right. guess if you, if you want to get philosophical about it, it's like uh, I don't know if you know the work of Nassim Taleb, but he has this uh, mm-hmm. he has this idea of um, convexity. So it's like uh, you want to you want to make bets in life that uh, have a big upside and a limited downside, and mm-hmm. so taking lots of small bets is you know a way of doing that. It's like not is exp- exposing yourself to potential upside, so something mm-hmm. that people might find useful without taking the risk of building something for a long time and then nobody wanting it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything, uh, was there any project that inspired or like why, for example, not do this with, I don't know, Rails that is, I guess, known for this, like throwing up the things quickly. Uh, mm. Was this something that like you ever came to your mind? Why Closure, Closure Script? Yeah, so I, I was building for years. I mean, I start, you know, I've been doing web development since probably 2000, 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started with Perl and I used to use PHP. And then mm-hmm. I, I found Django uh, Python, which is kind of like the Python version of Ruby on Rails. And right. I did build stuff with Django for years and years. And, um, you know, it's a good framework, but ultimately after I found Clojure, I mean, I mean, as most people who are into Clojure know, <laughs> it just... Uh, it just flips the table really. And um, yeah, I couldn't really go back. So I was trying for a while to build things with Shadow CLJS or Linigan, uh, Fig Wheel on the front end and Python on the back end. But mm-hmm. yeah, I soon discovered that I really just wanted to only work in Clojure and particularly Clojure Script. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'd had some experience building stuff in Node as well. So I'd started doing JavaScript on the back end. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, eventually I, th- I thought, I've got to I've got to basically recreate Django, but using Clojure or Clojure Script, mm-hmm. um, and that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's where Sidefox came from. Mm-hmm. What does it include? What parts of the, like how do you how do you look at like framework and what does it have? What do you decide to skip? Um, yeah, so if you 
so yeah, I'll, I'll actually just go to the GitHub homepage <laughs> for mm -hmm. Sidefox and because I've got a long list of things there. So there's a section called batteries included and basically it has mm -hmm. routing, um, so deciding where your routes go, templates, yeah. which actually the templating in Sidefox uses Reagent um, by default okay. on the back end. And then there's mm -hmm. a database key value store, uh, sessions and authentication, sending emails, uh, form submission and validation, logging, and then live reloading. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the, ba okay. the basic stack of things. And the funny thing is, I mean, from back in the day, you know, for, for me, actually, PHP is a big inspiration. Um, I know that's a kind of sacrilegious thing to say, but <laughs> PHP, um, I think there, there's a reason why it was huge. And uh, it's, it's because it took care of many of those things kind of like out of the mm -hmm. box. There was a function for everything, right. you know, like routing was um, done just by file name. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you had a right. file called test.php and you went to slash test, it would go there. Uh, it had sessions built in, database access was part of the language, um, authentication, uh, yeah. So, and, and sending emails, I remember that was a big thing in PHP as well. You know, all of these things were built in functions. So with Sidefox, mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to make sure you know, I kind of knew the, the set of things that you generally want to do with a backend web framework and I tried to mm -hmm. get all of them in there. Yeah. And for all of those libraries that you mentioned, like routing, are you using any library from the Clojure ecosystem or did you create your own routing library or li routing part of Sidefox? No. So because Sidefox runs on Node, I've tried to uh, rely heavily on uh, Node libraries. So for example, the mm -hmm. routing um, and the, the web server itself is Express under the hood, mm -hmm. and that's a mm -hmm. standard kind of node um, right. library. Right. So I guess Sidefox has some kind of a wrapper around this? Yeah. I mean, actually, Sidefox mm -hmm. is quite a small um, library itself. It's only 1,500 lines, but it's mostly leveraging existing libraries from the node ecosystem. So I've tried to mm -hmm. you know, curate. It's, right. it's like curating the best libraries I could find and gluing them together mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so, I mean, most of the time in Clojure, when we talk about backend frameworks, we always, you know, we, I guess, cherish the Java platform and we have access to also the libraries. Uh, so why create, you know, uh, a backend framework that's run on Node and give up sort of the Java part? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> I kind of see it as uh, Java and Node are both you know, very mature VMs with um, high performance, big ecosystem of libraries. And so I think mm -hmm. it really comes down to taste. And I never really had that much experience with Java. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew the Node ecosystem well. I know how JavaScript works. I know how to deploy it. So, I mean, I, I totally understand wh why people prefer to build on the JVM. Um, and I think... Uh, a lot of the closure development environment and tooling already depends on the JVM, so that's a good reason to stay there. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the thing about deploying Uber jars, like how you can create an Uber jar and then a friend of mine does this. He uh, uploads his jar onto his server and then it just you know it runs. Uh, so there's no messing right. around with copying lots of files or anything. Uh, and I think you know Java has it can be made very performant and it's good for people who already know kind of like. Yeah, the Java ecosystem and tooling. But as I said, I mean, I'm more familiar with Node, the Node side of things. Um, things I like about Node are, I guess, uh, fast startup times. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of right. pla 
PaaS systems, like uh, you know, platform as a service um, that support nodes, so Netlify, mm -hmm. Render, Heroku, those kind of things, and some of them mm -hmm. support Java as well. Um, mm -hmm. I was talking to Mikhail uh, Bork dude about this and mm -hmm. before, and he was he pointed out that uh, with the node ecosystem, you can run on lambdas quite easily as well, which is um, yeah. quite that, that's a new thing. I do, I personally don't do that, but for some people, that's an advantage. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I guess. One, yeah, that's. Sorry, go on. No, I just want to say, yeah, it's of course better because of the startup time. Uh, because with the Java startup time, it takes quite a bit. And since for the Lambda, you're paying per seconds of like duration, mm. it's much better to invoke something on Node and like, yeah, JavaScript than, yeah, wait until the whole JVM loads in, then load all the classes from Clojure and then run your program. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so fast startup time. I mean, a downside to Node is the. Maybe not a downside, but a, a trade-off is the async by default. So, Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With Java, you can you can it's you have to you have thing. to jump into a thread if you actually want to go async. Whereas with right. Node, sometimes you have to wrestle with these uh, promises and things like this. But uh, yeah, I'm a fan of uh, the Promesa library. Uh, I mm -hmm. think Mikhail mentioned that as well in his uh, in his podcast, and that that's mm -hmm. good for wrangling promises. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so how does, so you have express on the backend and then, uh, you wrap this in your API and how do you normally communicate backend and frontend? What's the, is there like, so do you expose like a rest API in your backend and then you communicate on the client or. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the model that's worked for a long time is, is with, with other languages is just having a, a separate web server and a client. And uh, I've adopted mm -hmm. that with Sitefox. Sitefox only is concerned with the back end. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I do generally have, I, I'm either writing a, a static site, so the back end is maybe running on NBB, and then mm -hmm. um, the front end is just simple HTML being served. Or if I'm doing mm -hmm. something more complicated like a web app, I'll use um, Shadow CLJS to build both the front end and the back end. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. it's just, fetch requests from going from the shadow CLJS client to the shadow CLJS server. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, so can I ask you how, if you build any kind of app, uh, including front end, so how do you normally generate HTML? Do you use reagent uh, render to string or like how does this normally go for you? Yeah, so that's, that's one of the, the reasons, another reason I wanted to switch from Django to um, script was because the reagent, you know, the, the developer experience using reagent, it's just so much faster to uh, build stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. so I got, I got reagent into the Sitefox backend. So you, you can literally say, uh, so you, you, you'll have an express function and you'll say um, that this is my route to forward slash whatever. And then in mm -hmm. there, you'll say, render this um, component this reagent component on the back end and insert it into the HTML at this point, and then it mm -hmm. sends that page back. Yeah, you know, I feel like this is also the part whenever I hear someone wanting to use Clojure Script and also not being familiar with Java, uh, they sort of have problems with uh, figuring out how they can really leverage like the Clojure Script and render all of those components uh, in the like. In, of course, in Java, you cannot really render JavaScript components, right? Um, so I think it's um, it's a valuable work that you're doing with like pushing closure script especially and saying well look you're just using the best of node 
just wrapping it up and providing some kind of um, easy way for someone to start. So I think it's great. Mm. Um, uh, so if I want to start with Sidefox, uh, what would be the, the way to go? Yeah, so there's two different ways you can uh, set up a new project. Well, I mean, if you want to do it from scratch, you can do that. So the standard kind of uh, uh, NPM install it and then mm-hmm. uh, add it to the class path. Um, I still need to build the deploy to close jars because I haven't done that yet. So <laughs> okay, it uh, yeah, but probably the two easiest ways are using um, in Node. There's this thing called create scripts, and you mm-hmm. so you can you can type npm in it, and then the name of the create script, and then the name of your project folder, and it'll basically go away and fetch the create script from npm and run it. And mm-hmm. so I have mm-hmm. I have two two create scripts that people can use. The first one is um, Sitefox NBB. So that so what you type is npm init Sitefox hyphen NBB, mm-hmm. uh, and then the name of your folder. So my project, and mm-hmm. that will generate a boilerplate for you with a NBB um, backend Sitefox site. So pretty mm-hmm. much serving like serving HTML that you can modify on the server side, but without any front end. Right. Yeah, so that's that's good for kind of like static backend sites. Um, mm-hmm. Mikiel also has another project called Skittle, which mm-hmm. allows you to run, which you could you could pair with this. But if I'm doing ClojureScript front end stuff, usually I, I'll just go straight to Shadow CLJS. And so there's mm-hmm. a different npm create script, which is I'm going to forget the correct um, invocation, but it's like npm init uh, Sitefox. Shadow CLGS um, full stack. I think that's what it's called. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, what that does is uh, sets up a Shadow CLGS project with Shadow CLGS combi- compiling both the server and the client um, at mm-hmm. the same time. And um, so you get all those normal advantages, but it's running a node, com- running the artifact compiled with Shadow CLGS through mm-hmm. node and then the front end runs in the browser, of course. So how about the database layer? So um, Sidefox leverages this library from JavaScript called Keyv, K-E-Y-V. And basically what it does mm-hmm. is puts a key value store on top of whatever database you're using on the back end. So you, and it defaults mm-hmm. to using SQLite. So out of the box, when you, um, when you set up a Sidefox site, you get this key value store that will write into a local database um, tape uh, into a local SQL light database and then later you mm-hmm. can upgrade that to you know Postgres or something like that but uh, I tried to make that again like a very smooth transition where you can very quickly start persisting data um, from from your front end or whatever without having to build out a full database model without having to like set mm-hmm. up tables or anything like that and then yeah. you know uh, upgrade progressively into full database down the track. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this key library is, is, is pretty cool. Interesting. I never heard of it. So uh, so more or less you just create maps in Clojure and then this takes care of like persisting this correctly on SQLite? Yeah, you just say um, it's got a unified um, API over the top of whatever database you're using. So you can just literally say, give me a new table called um, uh, records and then you say records.set and then you give it a key and a value and it'll write that in there. Mm-hmm. And you can store mm-hmm. 
any kind of arbitrary, you know, uh, data structure blob against any key. Mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's very flexible. And you know, I've even I, I implemented the um, Sitefox authentication layer using this key value store. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, of course, people can change it and make it rely on an actual database table. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for a lot of you know a lot of new sites that maybe have a few thousand users, it'll be it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so maybe one more question about the Node ecosystem. Uh, how do you keep up with the dependencies? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I guess I don't. <laughs> Generally, <laughs> Node has this habit of um, putting in uh, pinning dependencies with the upwards compatible flag. So it kind of says, use this version or higher. I don't really mm -hmm. like that behavior myself. So I tend to try and pin packages to the exact version. And then only if mm -hmm. there's like, a security problem or something like that, then I'll upgrade it or, you know, periodically mm -hmm. go through and upgrade it. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, the one thing about the JavaScript ecosystem is it is, it does move very fast. Uh, I guess it's less conservative than the Java, Java ecosystem. Um, but, mm -hmm. right. and I actually prefer the Java way of, you know, and especially the closure way of retaining backwards compatibility, being more careful. Right. So if, uh, are there any comments for like scaffolding any parts of the application? Like, you know, I think Ruby on Rails especially was famous for uh, having the scaffolds that you can just generate anything for you or how does this work in Sidebox? Is there anything or are you planning anything? Uh, not really. I mean, these boilerplate projects sort of give you the basic mm -hmm. thing. And then I've tried to, there's examples in the Sidefox um, repository. Um, for doing things mm -hmm. like uh, form submission and adding authentication. So, mm -hmm. I've, yeah, I've tried to um, flesh those out fairly well. And then uh, just, mm -hmm. yeah, copying and pasting code. But it is a good idea. Right. Um, maybe I should add something for like a single line command for uh, add authentication or something like this. Right. So can you walk me through your way of building uh, anything with Sidefox. So let's imagine you run one of those commands that you mentioned with NBB or with Shadow. Uh, what's the first thing you normally tackle when you have like the idea? Yeah, actually, the first thing I usually do is um, a bunch of research uh, to see what else is out there um, and whether I should build this thing or am I getting too excited about an idea that's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> so usually I do that and then I'll I'll actually build some things with just plain HTML sometimes, like go find a, mm -hmm. uh, a template online, download it, mm -hmm. put some words in, um, kind of like get things up and running. And yeah. and then and then I would switch to a NBB-based backend. So just serving that and I might be doing something like collecting an email um, to see if anyone's interested in the idea. So like a landing page. So mm -hmm. you, you could use NBB for something simple like that where it's just like submitting one form and writing an email. And then at that point, mm -hmm. when I start building a proper, like fully fleshed out web app, I'll switch to Shadow CLJS. Um, mm -hmm. Because yeah, you get the interactive front end with Reagent and all that. Right. Right. So after you get the research and you know, it's like, I'm going to build this, um, how do you approach building this with Sitefox? So you start a project, you like, you know, initiate the commands and stuff. And I don't know, do you go first after routing? Do you go first after views? Do you try to build your business logic first? What's what's the approach? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. I guess, yeah, it depends what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's like, of course, yeah. if it's, you know, 
a lot of the stuff I'm building is like a, a, a web app with a lot of front-end um, interactivity. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll start with just that, um, which is kind yeah. of the opposite of what I was saying before. But sometimes you want to, if it's a front-end web app, you want to make sure that that's working before you do anything like add user authentication or set up Stripe payments or anything like this. Right. Right, you just skip all of those things on the sites and then you just try to focus on like, uh, let's imagine after login, just user interaction, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had this discussion with Thomas Heller and we were just talking about like uh, building apps and I told him like, well, I would start with a front end and I would just, you know, do my like mock a lot of stuff. Like literally mm -hmm. I would just build an application in, in the browser memory without any connections to the backend. And Thomas was like, yeah, no, no, no. I go from the back end. I start with my model. <laughs> I model everything out. I build my back end, and only then I would do the front end. That's so, so. interesting. And yeah. and that's funny coming from uh, Thomas because I would have thought because he wrote Shadow CLJS, it was all about the front end. But I wonder yeah, what he's yeah, yeah, using on the back end. Uh, so Thomas is using mainly Java, like Thomas. I hope you don't mind. I don't disclose your secrets, but of course Thomas is using Clojure, and um, I don't think he would ever give up uh, Java uh, for doing backend stuff. Uh, yeah, but maybe I should have Thomas and talk about the, his development workflow instead of putting words in his mouth. So that'd be very interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to convince him. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Uh, so what's next for Sidefox? Like, uh, are you planning any, I don't know, any, do you feel like there's anything on the roadmap, any releases or? Well, what I'm really excited about at the moment is actually just using it a bunch more mm -hmm. um, because I spent, you know, quite a few months getting it to the place where I can. So my last two pieces I wrote were the authentication layer and, uh, mm -hmm. and um, I wrote a little library for doing integrating Stripe payments because I want to build mm -hmm. some uh, mini um, SaaS products. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm just, at the moment, I'm sort of working on adding that to some of my existing sites. Um, but certainly, mm -hmm. I mean, Sidefox at the moment, you know, it's, I don't think there's that many people using it. Um, I'm using it fairly heavily in my own stuff, but I could tell not many people are using it because I know there must be lots of bugs and I'm not getting any bug reports. So <laughs> once the bug reports come in, then I'll know I, I've reached a milestone. Right. Yeah, well, you know, maybe this whole podcast will help a bit spreading the word about the framework. Sure. Uh, so I hope there will be some people coming up. Is there any uh, Slack channel for Sidefox? Yeah, just uh, in the Clojure, the Clojure Slack, there's, yeah, um, a Sidefox channel. So it's mm -hmm. not, not very active, but I post updates in there. Mm -hmm. Sure. I guess we'll just include the links in the show notes so like people can easily find it and... Um, are, is there any like documentation for Sidefox? Yeah, so that's one thing I spent quite a bit of time on is um, on the GitHub readme, there's like um, a big list of all the different major parts of the app, of the uh, library. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's also um, codocs generated docs. So um, mm -hmm. that's uh, also on the GitHub at a different URL, but there's a link to it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Would there be anything else like about Sidefox that maybe we didn't touch base on that you feel like would be worth sharing? Yeah, I guess the only other thing is just, you know, like uh, I started using Clojure maybe, what was it, 20, 2016, 2018? And uh, mm -hmm. I just found the community has been amazing. Like the people in Clojure are, are, are just great. 
Um, I did a, when I went to the Closure Exchange Conference in London, I was just blown mm -hmm. away by uh, how smart and kind everyone is. Like, <laughs> um, and I, I actually got a, a couple of people, um, I put out a thing saying, would anyone be willing to code review some of my projects? And a couple mm -hmm. of the uh, Closure people came out and sent me some feedback. And it was just done in a really uh, like non-egotistical, just very, you know, almost scientific like trade-offs of different ways of doing things. And it's just a great community mm -hmm. to be part of. Like I'm just uh, right. really grateful that it exists. <laughs> yeah, I can only echo that. Yeah, I'm also very happy about like all the interactions I have with all the people, and it's always fun just to catch up with just people and also chat. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess we can say we are happy to have you and, you know, creating those libraries for ClojureScript. So I think that's great. And yeah, uh, I look forward to hear from you, like what you created next and then, you know, which projects work, which don't. Uh, I think it's a very interesting model that you're approaching and uh, yeah, maybe some people, some other people will try it. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider supporting it by rating it on your platform and telling others about it. You can also support it directly by buying subscription at closure.stream or sponsoring it on GitHub sponsors. All the details in the show notes below. Mm -hmm.